Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. How many by a show of hands in the last year, as I'm talking, you can think of something that's happened in life that it's now starting to become clear. That was demonic to try to get me to back up and go back into my old life. Let's see. Yeah. Turn to John chapter 5 before we go to Mark 16, if we go to Mark 16. Somebody say, I'm not going backwards. John chapter 5, verse 1. John 5, 1. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda, where there were five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for how long? 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, would you like to get well? That seems like a stupid question, but it's not. You'd think people want to get better, but they don't. Many people don't want to get better. There's many people that if they got healed tonight, they'd lose their income because they've built their life around disability. They've actually made a plan to not get healed. So there's people that actually enjoy sympathy, compensation pay, but you have to make up your mind. I'm not a victim. I'm not going to have my life defined by being a victim of anything, of sickness, of disease, of cancer, of divorce, of bankruptcy. I make up my mind, Jesus, I want to be well. And if you want to be well, what you're going to find in this story and all through the Bible is Jesus is happy to make you well. You know, we've had some powerful healings that have taken place in this church. And the amount of times your pastors had me come here to preach, you better have a few or you need to find another profession. But the people in New Mexico, I don't know, generally people that come from a Catholic background, even if they're not Catholic, if their parents were, they have a greater receptivity for the miraculous than Protestant people or full gospel people. Because Protestant people, you know, I don't know about, is it always God's will to heal? Catholic people don't need convinced about miracles. If they burn their toast, they see the Virgin Mary. They're looking for miracles. You can work with that. So there is is a greater receptivity of of cultures that have a Catholic background, whether it's Italian or Mexican. Any, any, Any group of people that comes from that background, because Catholicism teaches that Christianity is a supernatural thing, which it is. And many Protestant people don't teach that. Miracles died when the last apostle died. Where's that in the Bible? That's not in the Bible. So you actually have Catholic people are great. And they start coming, and the one I'm going to show you was, was a family with a Catholic background. Where they don't have, you don't have to convince them Jesus healed. So when I tell you this, that's why I'm playing this video. When I tell you that you can have a problem for 38 years. When Jesus saw that man and knew he had been crippled for 38 years. That's called a long-standing problem. 3.8 decades, almost four decades you've had the same problem. At that point, you just really, well, that's just my thing. I suffer with macular degeneration, I suffer with paralysis. We had a woman here today. Is the lady that testified here today in the morning here from Colorado? Come up, come up if you would real quick. I want everybody to hear your testimony. Grab her a mic if you would. 
Now, this disease, when, when were you prayed for? What month? Uh, it was in December. December. And I didn't recognize, it took me halfway through her testimony this morning to recognize who was talking to me. Because when she was here in December, half her face was drawn up because she had had a stroke. And the reason she had a stroke was she had something that a friend of mine has, which is, I don't know what the actual Latin term is, but they call it thick blood. Where your blood is abnormally thick, which causes strokes. Because though it's not clotting, it's so thick, it has the same effect as clotting. She already had her stroke. Your blood will get thicker over time. And you're a ticking time bomb. That's what they tell you. You don't know when, but you're going to die. You're going to just drop dead because your blood's too thick for your body to process. And that's not a curable disease. There's nothing that actually it gets to a point where they can't even put you on blood thinners anymore for it to help much. And she came. How did you hear about this meeting from Colorado? I saw you on Facebook. On Facebook. Well, I'm glad it worked out for your benefit. <laughs> and you didn't end up in a fake orphanage in Nigeria or something. And that'll show you too, you know. One of the things I've been trying to preach these night services and get you interested in the Lord using you. People should not have to drive from Colorado to New Mexico to get prayer. Church is not a 70 minute thing to tell a little speech and dismiss. No prayer. Jesus taught. Now, who am I quoting? I'm talking about Jesus. Your ministry. What did Jesus say? The same work you see me do, you should do. So how did Jesus operate? Did he just say, now listen, I'm just going to speak for about 25 minutes. And uh, then after I'm done, uh, you, you go your separate ways. No, he taught, then preached. And when he preached, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith would grow in people. And Luke noted once that the power of God, as Jesus preached, was present to heal. It hit a point as he was preaching that there was something there. The Pharisees and Sadducees that came to criticize him would say, who is this man? How come there's power when he speaks? They were speaking. Think of this now. They were using the same scrolls, same book, so to speak. They were reading the same thing. But when one read it, there was no power. And when Jesus read it, Luke, the doctor, said, there's something in the atmosphere here. The atmosphere is charged with miracles. And the deaf would hear and the blind would see. And if you go to backslidden churches, that I mean, no, Jesus healed the blind. Many of us are spiritually blind. No, 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 no. He didn't just heal, heal spiritual blindness. He healed people that were born blind. Boy, little boys that were deaf in their ears and couldn't speak. People that were crippled. And the Bible says no matter what their sickness or what their disease, he healed them all. Then what happened? Then he went to leave and he said, now listen, guys, I'm going back to heaven. Don't try to do anything you saw me do. Because this was just for me to prove I'm the son of God. No. The same work that you saw me do, you shall do and greater. For I go to the Father on, my, on your behalf. Yes, ask anything you want to in my name and I will give it to you that your joy may be full. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So go, go ahead and tell and I'd like to hear what we didn't hear this morning. How hard was life before, and then you heard, and you came down, and, and, and then what happened? I'd like to hear. Okay, I was 19. I got married, and I took the birth control. Having thick blood caused me to have a stroke uh, a year and a half, and I was completely, I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk, I couldn't um, 
I, I couldn't do anything. So anyway, I, I, I've been a Christian all my life and I have, I've clung on to the Lord. Um, I went through a divorce and then I remarried and I just, I was always by myself and I was, had all this time I could, I was able to finally. Let, let, let me say something about your divorce. Cause I didn't know your other, I don't, I barely know you and I definitely know your, your old husband, but you know, what's interesting is how wicked sickness is because you can't tell me all the stress from that stuff didn't factor in to the problem with the first marriage. Yeah. You know, sickness is an evil thought. When I hear preachers make an excuse, you know how many know God sometimes? No, 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 no. You need slapped. God doesn't teach through sickness and disease. Jesus took stripes to remove sickness and disease. Let me, let me tell you something before she continues. If you want to know about how God wants life to be, read Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. You see how it was before Satan came on the earth, and you see how it would be after he, lived, after he leaves. Were there any children cancer centers in the Garden of Eden? Will there be any handicapped parking spaces in the New Jerusalem? No. There's no sickness there. There's no death. There's no crying. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. For the old order of things has passed away forever. And pray that my will that is done in heaven be done on earth. God anoints a Christian to remove the sorrow of people. God anoints, here listen to my words, not a minister. God anoints a Christian. Stephen was a deacon, Acts chapter 7, amazing the people with, with miracles. Adonis, that's the nicest blouse I've ever seen you wear. You look beautiful. Sorry, distract, your beauty distracted me in the front row. Sorry, little attention problem. Apologize. I'm going to have her continue and I'll take my Ritalin. Go ahead. Okay, so um, so I, I saw, I don't know, maybe it was YouTube, I don't know what it was, but I was talking to my husband. I said, hey, do you think we could go and uh, see Jonathan Shuttlesworth? And he said, yeah, let's, let's go. And I said, I'm going to get healed. I'm going to get healed. And so, so, well, so we have 2,000 years later, we have another woman with an issue of blood who did the exact same thing the first one did. When I go, I'm going to get healed. Now, let's, let's go and check it out. What could it hurt? No, no, no. When I go, I'm going to get healed. I, I pray, right? I can feel it changing in you. I pray a mentality would come in you right now. If nobody in this place gets anything, I'm getting everything tonight. I'm leaving out of here. I'm leaving out of here changed by the power of God. Apologies. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I was with my husband, and we came to the revival, and it was at night, and I got a text from my daughter, and she's pregnant, and she was having problems. I said, we need to turn around and come back to the church. We need to have prayer for, for my daughter. So we came, and I told Jonathan about my daughter, and I said, hey, by the way, I have, um, I have really thick blood, and I need to. And he'd be healed. And he said, I'll see you tomorrow. And the next day, uh, I was praying and worshiping the Lord. And you came and you, you touched me. And I fell and I was delivered. <laughs> Hallelujah. And 
can. Okay, so then the, the Holy Spirit, when I got home, I said, you know what you need to do? You need to go to the hospital. You need to get your blood checked. I mean, I know I was healed, but I want to have the records to, to tell y'all. And so, um, well, I had trouble getting the, the, I made the appointment, and they said, oh, you, you want to come because you're blood thick. Are you concerned you're going to have a stroke? Well, I said, no, I, I just want to have my blood drawn okay. And that was quite a big deal. And um, but my blood, they're having, trying my, having trouble finding my veins because I've had so much work done. But my blood was just like coming all over, and it was really like thin, almost not thin, but it was great. So they took my blood, and and I got my results, and they said there was not, you didn't have thick blood. I said, yeah, I don't. They have said you blood. didn't have thick blood, no. like ever. Uh, well, no, like, like how did they explain? Because it can't do that. So then, yeah. how did they explain? They just said, well. It was all, it was fine. Like the doctor that checked me was not, you know, something's wrong with him or something. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, they just said, no, your, your, your blood's fine. And I, I brought all the, the records. She had all the paperwork with, with her today. So they, they say you pay these people to do it. No, they do it for free. They, she drove back down from Colorado with her paperwork to testify about what Jesus did. Now, before you go back to your seat, you know, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm like Jesus, like I'm the most like Jesus of any minister. But you start to see the difference in the Jesus type of ministry. Because the Bible says when he'd finished meeting, the crowds rejoiced and said, what wonderful things we've seen today. Now, if you go to a dead church, you've never seen any wonderful, you've never seen anything. You've never seen, they didn't say what wonderful things just we've heard. What wonderful things we've seen. I remember I went to go see, uh, give, give my friend a hand clap, and you made my night. Thank you. I'll take the mic. Enjoy a long, fun life. I remember I, remember what, I, remember I, was, I went to my Uncle Ted's uh, meeting when I was in Bible school in Rhode Island, and uh, I'd never been to this church. And he's, he's right in the middle of preaching. He takes an offering plate. You know those little brass offering plates with the red felt bottom, burgundy felt bottom? He takes the offering plate and goes, I'm going to take an offering. I thought, all right. You know, he's right in the middle of preaching it. I've never seen them do that like that. He said, this offering is going to be different. He said, everybody that has a hearing aid in one or both ears, I, we're going to pass the offering plate around, put your hearing aids in it, and then come up here for prayer. I thought, I'm interested. <laughs> never seen this before. And so they passed it around. There was uh, 33 hearing aids in it. So some people had one, some people had two, because it was an odd number. So then everybody lines up across the thing and he went, he passed the mic down. One guy was a war veteran and on his shooting year, other guys are around airplanes or heavy machinery and they had gone deaf in both ears. One was born deaf and couldn't speak. And after they passed the mic around and the person who couldn't speak had their mother with them or whoever that told what was going on. Then he went right down the road. How did Jesus turn to Mark chapter nine? Just so you know, I'm not making stuff up. This is all in the Bible. You know, there were people here last night from another religion to check us out. And that happens in the meetings a lot. And then if they're not careful, if you get too close to the edge of the riverbank, you slip in. And what happens in people come from other religions because they can't get theirs to grow. So they want to see what we do. 
It's not what we do. It's who we have. We have a living Christ, a living Holy Spirit, and he is the secret of the growth. And one, of the, one of their guys came up and got saved last night, an elder in that religion. Standing right over in the corner, prayed the sinner's prayer, got hands laid on him. You know, I've had that happen before, and I got a call from the regional director to go to go to headquarters so they could sit that guy down with me and kind of like correct me and show I don't know what I'm talking about. That didn't work out so well. I know, let me tell you something. I'm a preacher's kid. I've sat through these things my whole life. Every question you can have, I've had. I went to secular school. I had teachers that mocked this. You know, these people need this religion. and Yeah, there's some good things in there. You don't have to get that serious. I've heard all that and thought, if I'm going to do this for the rest of my life and tell people, I want answers to these things. All the things. And uh, You know, what about evolution? I studied it. I had, a, <laughs> I had a teacher in high school that was strong on evolution. I read three books. And I, hate, I hate reading books. When I was a teenager, I hated it more. I got three books going into that class because I thought, okay, I'm not going to sit there like some Christian dummy and get slapped around verbally and just say, well, I just choose to believe God. No, if what God said's true, then let's get to the bottom of it. And I, got, I got to the bottom of it. I read, they weren't Christian authors. They were secular scientists that did not believe in evolution that said the first law of science is life can only come from other life. Second law of thermodynamics, order cannot come from chaos. You're not going to go home tonight and your house got straightened up. It fought, things fall into disrepair. Things don't get more orderly. That's a scientific law. So when she went to get into evolution, I raised my hand and said, that's not true. She went, Jonathan, I know you're religious and you don't believe this, but you're going to have to let me teach. I said, no. I said, what did I say about being religious? I said, let's talk science. Her eyes got big. And I, and because I'm not writing stuff I don't believe. And so she said, okay. I said, let's talk science. Didn't you just teach us the first law of science is life can only come from other life? And she said, yeah. I said, didn't you also teach us that no theory can violate a scientific law? Theories have to clarify laws. They can't contradict laws. That's what you said. I did say that. I said, well, you're teaching us a theory that contradicts law. Well, now there were other people in the class that weren't Christians, but saw that if they got on my side, we could skip a chapter. (laughs) So my, my friend, I mean, we weren't close friends, but he was, I was friendly with him and he was captain of the football team and he just liked arguing. So he went, yeah, what is this S-H-I-T? So then it starts getting like rough. So I mean, yeah, what is this? And she goes, all right, we're, we're going to, someone has a phone call on a 1960s office phone, if you want to answer that. I'm going to believe God you get a breakthrough for like a proper ringtone. Maybe you can get like Taylor Swift or something. Hello, Brooklyn 41. Somebody shout Hallelujah. Yeah, see, this is something that churches that don't have the Holy Ghost don't have. It's called joy. Look at everybody smiling and nothing funny's happened. Because the oil of God, the Bible calls it the oil of gladness, the oil of joy. 
When you get in the presence of God, it alleviates sorrow and it brings joy. You're going to leave, when we open these back doors up, this is going to be the happiest group of people this side of the nut house in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, go ahead. Give the Lord a great celebratory hand clap ahead of time. Yeah. So I, I'm, not believe, I'm not believing that God created the world because my daddy told me. And I learned that in church. I want to know, okay, is my teacher right or is the Bible right? The Bible's right. And then when it comes to actual ministry, like I'm doing now, who's right? Who's right? The people that say there's no miracles? The people that say, well, there is, but it's up to God, not no. What, what are, God operates by laws. Science has laws. <laughs> and who works in the gas field here? Oil and gas. There's laws, right? There's the way the thing works. There's a way to get gas out of the rock. And if you come in there and tell your boss you have some other idea, it's going to get people blown up. It doesn't work like that. It's the same with God. You hear these people like, they want to mystify God. He's so mysterious. You know, you can never figure him out. Here's a question. Do you think God wrote a book that's this thick with this small a print because he wants to be not figured out? You can know him. You can know. Moses... Teach us your ways. Let us know your ways. How do you operate? The same way there's laws in the natural gas field. That either you, you abide by those laws and it works, or you go against them and people die. Or you get no natural gas. But if you do it right, people live and you get power and you get paid. Science has laws. You go against those laws, aviation has laws. And God has laws for life. God has laws for healing. God has laws for financial increase. I'm, gonna tell, I'm telling you something right now. I don't spend much time praying along those lines. Lord bless us. No, no, no. The God tells you, just like you don't have to pray to get natural gas. You don't have to pray to harvest crops. There's a way to do it that makes it happen. God put it in. How does life work? And marriage is just something... Take the fun. No, no, no. Marriage brings a stability and a platform for prosperity. People that live together do not prosper. Yeah, gets, I men get weaker, but I don't care. I grew up preaching in New England where people don't have any personality, so it doesn't bother me. I never heard anybody say amen for like three years, so I don't preach for amens. Marriage brings a platform for prosperity. Everybody that's suing each other on Judge Judy, they're living boyfriend and girlfriend. There's no contract to, to, to make it work. You would never go into a business with somebody with no written agreement where either party can dip out whenever they want. And marriage matters more than business. Family matters more than business. So God knew all that and he put it down. You can, you can do what you want or you can do it his way. If you do it your way, best of luck. If you do it his way, you have chosen to walk on a path that brings peace, that brings prosperity, that brings protection, that brings multiplication, that leaves a lifting to your family. Laws. A God of laws. Not laws to kill you. Laws he made life. There's a way life works and there's a way that you're always fighting against life if you don't go that way. Saul, Saul. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, the ox goads. You're always fighting against the way I want things done. If life seems hard, you're going the wrong way. His yoke is, and his burden is. 
These preachers tell people if they serve the Lord, life's going to be easy. Jesus, who I consider an expert in the Christian religion, did not say, come on unto me, all ye that are having a great time. And I'll show you how serious and hard life can be. Come unto me, all ye that are weary, heavy laden. People were weary and heavy laden 2,000 years ago. Heavy laden, burdened. I don't know, my one daughter thinks she's trans and my son is on heroin. These are prayer requests we get often. My son, my son is, is trans and my daughter is on drugs and my husband, I just found out, has been cheating on me and taking our money and, and that's why we're short on money. Yeah, burden, heavy laden. Sin brings pain and penalty, not fun. You watch too much TV if you think sin brings fun. They hire those models for a 30-second commercial to spray each other with hoses or whatever. Actually, they don't even do that anymore. It's like a dude in a bikini. <laughs> Sin isn't even attractive anymore. <laughs> the devil needs to hire a new PR firm. That's why the church is full on a Monday night. The devil, people are actually starting to see now. I'm telling you, all these things are backfiring. People see, there's not even a, an allure to sin anymore. You can see its ugly face right out in the open. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the way it operates. It's God's law. It's God's law for ministry. There's a way you can minister that ticks God off. You don't help anybody. You don't alleviate burdens. Jesus did not like the Pharisees. You take this book, he said, and you put a load on people that you yourself can't bear. Jesus didn't say, oh, you rotten sinners with your drinking and partying. No, 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 no. Come unto me. All you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you Rest. Take my yoke upon you. You're going to serve somebody, my friend. I don't want to go to church. I want to be free. You'll never be free. You will serve the devil or you'll serve God. I heard Howard Stern say it. Make fun of people that pay tithes to church. And then on the same program, talk about how he pays $150 per half hour to go to therapy. I'm not paying money to go to therapy people time. I give my money to God. I don't go to therapy. I'm not on any prescription medication. And he multiplies what I give back to me in my house. Yeah, they're laws. They're laws. They work for everybody that'll work it. They don't have respect for anybody. When you put seed in farm ground, the ground doesn't care what color you are. The ground doesn't care if you have a high school diploma or two, two PhDs. It doesn't care. You do what God said. And God will do what he said. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care if you're Mexican. He doesn't care if you're white. He doesn't care. He cares. He sees two colors, obedience and disobedience. And with all the teaching there is on faith, and it's great, faith is obeying God's word. Noah didn't have to talk or shout or jump or sing. When he built the ark in the middle of Iraq, modern day Iraq, you look like a lunatic building an ark, a huge cruise ship in the middle of modern day Iraq. It's never rained there once. What are you doing? Building a boat? 
um, we're nowhere near water and it doesn't rain. Not yet it doesn't. But as he obeyed God, God put him ahead of the curve. And when everybody was dying, him and his family were dining on food and saved and inhabiting the earth. God did not make a set of rules to strip the fun out of life from you. He gave you a path to walk in a wicked, broken world where when you walk that path, the evils that are in the world cannot touch you. For the blood of Jesus is on the doorpost of your home. He can't have your children. I said he can't have your children. He can't have your marriage. He can't have your money. He can't have your health. I have come that you might have life. Life. Shout that word life. What did Jesus do with the death? I'd like to know. Mark 9, 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. He's possessed by what? And you're going to see when Jesus talks to him, he doesn't say, now, I know you people, it's the first century and you think everything's spirits, but you'll find out in the future. No, no, no. One out of every three people Jesus dealt with, there was a demon that had to be dealt with. I believe it was the first time they had me come here and preach in December. One of the young men that came to the altar to get saved, I found out after he got saved, the night before, we should get the, if, if, tell Ram, send this clip to Ram. I, I, want, I know we have it on video. I want to get the video again. I want to put it on Daystar. People should see this stuff. So I find out he had come the Sunday before. And when he got to these double doors in the back and got ready to come into the sanctuary, he had a full out seizure right before he came into the sanctuary. Now, do you need a, a degree from a ministry school to know who might be responsible for that? El Diablo. El feo diablo. El estupido diablo. Yeah, because the devil knows if he gets in here and hears the word, there's a flare-up. Now, you might not have had a seizure on your way in today. That's why there's flare-ups when you get ready to come to a meeting like this. My mother just called me. Her air conditioning went out. Oh, yeah, it's 645. I wonder who, who disconnected the air conditioning. There's a little air conditioning demon. <laughs> Because the devil can't stop you from going to church. People are, can't figure it out. They'll get a text during the message. There's an emergency. Oh, shocker. Your uncle's kitchen's on fire. Are you a fireman? People are too dumb to figure it out. They get the text. I gotta go. I wanted to stay, but my uncle. You can't figure it out. The devil's like, if they sit here for 30 more minutes, I've lost them for good. And then a shockwave's gonna go through the whole family and I'll lose everybody. So it gets you one text message. So you should text the person back. Call the fire department. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, people don't see there's a battle on for their soul. Camden, New Jersey, I'm giving the altar call. The whole power goes out. 
right as I'm giving the altar call, all the sound system goes out. It's hooked up to city generators run by six union electricians, and the generators are fully gassed up to the point that when I finished the meeting, the head city electrician said, I'm sorry the power went out. We're still trying to figure out why it went out. They said generators can't fail if they're gassed up. Then the one guy goes, did you notice it happened when you were telling the people to receive Jesus? We started thinking it might be the devil. Yeah, why don't you stick to electricity? It is the devil. He doesn't want to lose you. He can't stop you. All he can do is, how do you pronounce that word? Obscufate. Obfuscate. Who, Who helped me out? Thank you. Take any book you want off the back. I bet you you're very good at Scrabble. Obfuscate. All he can do is distract and obfuscate and try to get your, 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 your focus off of the word. Because he can't stop the power of the word. Or he can spread rumors. That's what he tried to do to Jesus. Oh, he's actually full of the devil. This guy comes down from Pennsylvania. I think he just wants our money. Yes. That's why I came to Hobbs, New Mexico. You know, there were guys in, in, I've told this story before. I was preaching in Fresno, California. And guys started coming from the halfway house and getting saved. A lot of them. So then about a third of them hadn't come yet to get saved. The meeting went a second week. So I told them, I said, Tuesday, I'm going to go to the halfway house and preach at the halfway house to get the rest of them. So I go there, the rest of them get saved. And so the one guy tells me after, he told me I've been out of jail for five days. He told me, he said, I, I just, I have no money. And then he goes, um, I'm sorry I didn't come last week. There was a rumor going around here that you just wanted our money. What money? You live on a bunk bed and you're a grown man. There's no money. Yeah, I live in, in Pittsburgh. You think, now how can I get money? I know. I'll fly to California. As if we have no halfway houses in Pittsburgh. I'll ingratiate myself over the course of a week to men that have just got out of prison. Then I'll take their ones of dollars. I bet you I could make 23 or 24 dollars doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be out of your freaking mind so when i told him i said i said you just told me you don't have any money he went i know as you were preaching i was thinking i don't even have any money <laughs> yeah that's what the word of god does the word of god clears it out can you say amen can you say it better amen who here can already feel the strongholds of the devil being ripped out of your life permanently in Jesus' mighty name? You're going home free, free at last, free forever, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If you receive that, go ahead and take 15 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Clap your hands online. Rejoice. The plan of the devil against your family has failed. You're coming out. You're going to have the best six months that you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout hallelujah. 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 Say it right out loud. The Lord is good. good. And his mercy endures forever. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I'm telling you, addictions are coming off of you right now. I'm telling you, depression is running out the door right now. I'm telling you, every foul spirit that's come against your life has an eviction notice served on it now. You're leaving here free. Somebody shout aloud, hallelujah. Say it, the Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. My my son has an evil spirit that possesses him and won't let him talk. Not every health ailment is caused by an evil spirit, but one out of every three people Jesus dealt with needed a demon spirit dealt with. You spirit of infirmity. There's people that have a spirit of infirmity. They're my age, 42. They look 62. They've, they've dealt with health things their whole life. They go to get checked out and they can't. Well, we don't know what it is. Just take this. Then keep increasing the medication. That's how this country runs. Pharmaceuticals. They're not looking to get you better. They're looking to make maximum money off of you before you die. But Jesus didn't come to take your money. He paid for your health with his own blood. Religion doesn't want to deal with the devil. Because you have to fast and pray. You have, you have to conduct yourself a certain way. Otherwise, you get Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? But on the flip side, you can be Paul. Well, you've slapped so many devils around that demons start leaving your meetings just when you get the mic because it's over. We know who you are. Party's over. You know what I used to watch before I'd preach that I could feel the anointing on? When Wyatt Earp would walk into that casino in Tombstone and, and throw that guy out of the seat and start slapping his face and throw him out, man, that made me feel, that's the best version of what the ministry is I've ever seen. You walk into a place the devil thinks he owns and you start slapping him around, throw him out of his seat. What did, hey, what did Wyatt Earp tell that guy that was sitting in that seat? You're, you're what? Sitting where? You're sitting in my chair. You're sitting in my chair. That, you know, the devil's been sitting in your chair. He's sitting. There are people in this place right now. The devil has made himself nice and comfortable in your own house. And he's convinced you you're going to have to put up with his crap for the rest of your life. That depression's normal. Then he buys so much TV time to reinforce what he's telling you. One out of every three women battle depression. Thankfully, there's Lou Markstra. Possible side effects, increased depression, thoughts of suicide, and acting on those thoughts. Wow, thanks for the help. <laughs> yeah. One out of every three people will battle cancer at some point. And then you sit there, and he's sitting there laughing at you, sitting in, in your chair, sitting in your house, telling you that your kids aren't going to serve the Lord, telling you that addiction's normal, telling you, who, who, who has headphones here? Who has headphones over the ear, not in here, over there. Unplug those headphones, let me see. Who has an iPad? Let me see your iPad, I'll give them back. <laughs> Telling you it's normal. The teenagers that are here, 
that it's normal to just be in your own little world? Boy, a Mennonite could have got this open faster than me. Youth all withdrawn in their own world, watching pornography or, or something that makes them cut themselves or listening to music that's sung by some suicidal musician. You ever hear them interviewed? I battle suicide. I can't get out of bed. What do you think that spirit's doing as your kid is shut in with that for four hours? I see them in their own little isolated world. And then the parents, I'm sure they know it's wrong. But after you've worked your second job, driven around all day, you don't have enough energy to deal with it. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. That's why Jesus came. Do you realize? I'm sure you realize this, but just in case there's one or two that are watching online that don't realize it. You realize Jesus, all these other religious leaders were trying to get to heaven. Jesus was already in heaven. He didn't have to come here. And I'm glad he did, but I'll never understand it because if I was God and Adam disobeyed me and sinned, I'd say, y'all enjoy yourself. I'm in heaven. I'm staying here. I'm not going down to help you. But God God was so rich in mercy. Now this part I don't get. And thankfully I wasn't in on the decision-making process. My job is just to yell it at people. Tell people what he did. I would have never... I would have never left heaven. Forget, I wouldn't have left heaven to come to earth, let alone to come to earth and get spit on, get your beard ripped out, your back beaten, and your face beaten until you no longer resembled the form of a man. They beat him and beat him and beat him till his mother couldn't recognize him anymore. And he didn't do it for fun, and God didn't turn him over and just let the devil do it. He was beaten so that I might have peace. When the devil goes to steal your peace, Jesus paid a high price. Turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 1. Now, anybody would tell you that that's an actual minister. It wouldn't matter if they're full gospel, word of faith, Baptist, Presbyterian, Assemblies of God, Catholic. wouldn't matter. Isaiah 53 is a Messianic scripture where Isaiah starts prophesying what the Messiah is going to do. And when you read it, you see that Jesus did all this. What blood did Buddha shed for you? What blood did Muhammad shed for you? Muhammad didn't die for you. Muhammad demanded you die for him. Jesus said, I've come to die for you. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? That's Isaiah 53.1. To whom has believed our message? Second part of the verse. To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? <laughs> I think people wish it was more complicated. They wish you had to like go to Spain and climb upstairs on your knees while whipping your own back. Do you know all you have to do to access the power? All you have to do to have God's powerful right arm get extended to you? Believe. That's it. 
just believe. You don't have to have beads. You don't have to have a wood cross. You don't have to go touch the wall in Jerusalem. You don't have to do any of that. What did Jesus say when the blind man came up to him? Hey, I want to see. Believest thou that I can make you see? Yea, Lord, as your faith is, so be it unto you. And instantly his eyes opened. He didn't even pray for him. Believe. What did the woman say that just testified? I told my husband, let's drive there. I'm, I don't care. Let's go and just listen. If I'm going to die from this thick blood, at least I'll die in church. No. Let's go there. I believe God is going to heal me. And God's up in heaven going, oh, you do? You believe me? God's greatest insult is for a man to doubt him. And his greatest pleasure is for someone to say, I believe you. (laughs) Man, I turned something on in my life as a little kid. I'm watching my daughter have the same faucet turned on over her life that God loves when someone says, I believe you. And you live in a wicked, adulterous, perverse generation according to the Bible. And here you are in that generation. You're not out at a bar tonight. I used to be. Well, you're not what you're used to. You're here tonight. I don't care how bad your life was before this week. Somehow you made a different decision tonight. And you're not. You didn't storm out 15 minutes in. Something in you saying, I believe. When a man believes God, God counts it as righteousness unto him. And extends his strong right arm on their behalf. Somebody, I want you to do this. Put your right hand up to the Lord. Close both eyes. And say this, not from your head. Say it from your heart. And you know the difference? Your wife knows the difference between a head I love you and a heart I love you. Love you, say I. I say after work. And then I love you. You know, that's the great thing about the Spanish language. English doesn't have much heart in it. Spanish has nothing but heart. Te amo. Love you. Te amo. Te adoro. There's a, there's a passion in the Spanish language where, where the language comes from the heart, not the head. I want you from your heart to say, I believe you. I believe your word. Now, that's it. Now, when you believe from the heart, man, believe, with the heart, Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you speak to God from your heart, and let him, I believe your word, and then you put action to it. You know, building that second church in Fort Worth, while I'm yet to build the first one in Pittsburgh, and doing both at the same time. (laughs) You start thinking crazy when you believe God. You don't have all the money yet to build the first one. Yeah, so if you don't have enough for one, why not not have enough for two? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because it's not me that's the source. So when the Lord woke me up on Friday and said, now is the time for Fort Worth. And I announced it that night. My wife found out an hour before the crowd did. Because he said, now. What am I doing by going forward without the, the resources for it? I'm showing the Lord. I believe you. I don't question you because I've read and preached out of Numbers 12, 13, and 14 enough. Hey, I'm giving you this promised land. Yeah, but there's giants in the land. We won't be able to beat them. How are we ever going to possess the land? It's too great for us. And God said, after all I've done for you, 
You were there when I parted the Red Sea. You were there when I fed you manna. You were there when I made it rain quail. And you're going to question me. Then you can have what you say. You will die in the wilderness. Your children will be devoured by the land, just like you said. But to Joshua and Caleb, who said, yes, there are giants in the land. But if the Lord is with us, they're merely bread for us. Let us go at once and take the land. Believest thou that I can make you see? How do you how do you say? Uh, can somebody know how to quote that in Spanish? Believest thou that I can make you see? Do you believe that I can make anybody? Nobody can quote that verse in Spanish. Well, it's a right mission field then to get people saved. How do you say? Do you believe in Spanish? One more time. Two, two crees, two crees. Do you believe? Do you believe? And if you see, see is all that was needed. See, yes, I believe you. But then there were the other people. I don't believe you. He's a son of Joseph. He was a carpenter last year. Oh, he's a son of God now. I don't believe. And Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. How many know if God wants to do something, it's going to get done? No, it won't. He needs somebody to believe him. Who has believed our message and to whom has the Lord extended his strong right hand? If you'll get drunk with belief in that, I pray tonight, I can feel it here already, that the gift of faith would come and begin to intoxicate people with faith. That there's nothing God will ever be able to speak to you that you'll say, I don't know about that. You'll say, Lord, if you're in it, if you're saying it to me, I will go. You'll deliver Goliath into my hand. You'll take me out of the fiery furnace. You'll pull me out of the pit with the lions. Faith. Who has believed our message. And when you believe the strong right arm of the Lord, whether it looks like it or not, if you believe the strong right arm of the Lord, it didn't look like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the strong right arm of the Lord. It looked like they were going to burn up. But when they stood in the fire, then Nebuchadnezzar looked back in. How many men did we throw in the fire? Uh, three, your majesty. One, two, three, four. I keep counting four. And the fourth looks like the son of God. He doesn't always show up before you step in the fire. Sometimes he's waiting on the battlefield for you to go forward. You're not going to face life alone. Jesus is with those who believe his word. If you receive and believe his word, put your anointed hands together one more time. Give that Jesus the greatest shout and the greatest hand clap that you've ever given to anybody. Somebody shout hallelujah. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? I've told this story before. It would say, who has believed? And to whom has the Lord extended his powerful arm? I preached in Vineland, New Jersey. And uh, the mayor that extended the invitation to me, his wife just... Texted me when I was flying here. It's the first I've heard from him in a while. Great people. So the mayor asked me to come to the town. We had 4,000 on the field. Mostly unsaved. 
And the first night I preached, we had 901 people come to the altar to receive Jesus Christ. But there was one guy in the back. He was the head, I found out later, of the Latin Kings. And uh, he looked like he was head of the Latin Kings. He was a tall guy, 6'4 or so. Tattoos up the one side of his face. And I remember he had a solid gold scorpion necklace. So he looked, he looked like he was somebody. When I got done preaching, he went like this and pointed, like, come here. And I felt led to go see him. <laughs> because I didn't want to feel led later that night. So I brought in, um, my interpreter, Pastor Israel Lugo, who pastors in Camden, New Jersey, at a great church, if you're watching from South Jersey. And he came with me to interpret. He said, my father has stage four cancer. I need you to come back to my apartment with me and pray for him in Section 8 housing. He, I said, does he know that I'm going to be here the rest of the week? And he said, no, I didn't know that. I said, tell him to bring his dad tomorrow night and I'll pray for him first. Well, your average religious preacher, Christian, would not consider that that guy has faith. Well, look at his tattoos. He's the head of a gang. He didn't come to the altar to receive Jesus. Yes, he didn't come to the altar to receive Jesus. But he didn't also give me the middle finger and, and storm off the field. And he called me and said, come pray for my father. So what does that show? Faith. Now, he'd still go to hell if he doesn't get born again. But that's faith. And faith pleases God. I believe if you pray for my father, God will help him. Well, that's faith. So I said, get, come, come on the field tomorrow with your dad. He said, I know you're going to still be here. Okay, I'll be here. I said, when you come with your dad, I'll pray for him first. So I come. That night, I get up on the stage to preach. He's standing right at the exact same place. Lifts his hand and makes eye contact with me. With, like, I did my part. Points down. His dad's in a hospital bed. Carried him from the place. You know, 24-hour care. Had four gang guys. One on each corner of the bed, carry him like a mile. Yeah. It was like the, 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 the man that got lowered through the roof in the Bible, except with more nine millimeters. <laughs> Amazing. That's faith. Yeah, when I say, no, he said, no, I'm not doing that. That's a little ridiculous. Okay. I mean, even better than Naaman. Naaman, go dip seven times. I'm not dipping in that thing. That's ridiculous. No, okay, I'll, I'll carry him. It's a mile. He didn't say, well, I, I live over a mile from here. That's what he would have done if he was a Christian. Sometimes, some of you that are here, the fact that you haven't grown up in church is going to give you actually an edge. Because you don't know how to, Religion often gets this. Who was Jesus having the most problem with? Drug dealers? Prostitutes? Who? The religious. Because they, they teach you a way to like kind of be in the church scene with no faith. I almost never have sinners storm out of my meetings. Almost never. It's always like a Bible college student or former Bible college student. Because yeah, they know everything. That's how the Pharisees and Sadducees are. They're watching Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead and then making a plot to kill him. Let's kill Jesus. Now I have to kill Lazarus too. That's what they said, John chapter, end of 11 and 12. John chapter 11 and 12. Now we'll have to kill Lazarus too because the crowds are all going to him. Hard heart. Well, I've dealt with those people. This guy did not have a hard heart. And he's not threatening me. I brought, that's faith. You can work with faith. So I finished preaching, gave the altar call. I went right back to his dad. I said, where's the cancer at? The stomach go. Puts a hand on the stomach. 
And I started praying. In the name of Jesus, you foul cancer, I curse you. What did Jesus do to the fig tree that didn't have any fruit on it? That's right. God blessed and God cursed. You don't curse people, but you can curse cancer. You can curse uh, an alcoholic spirit that's got a hold of your husband or your wife. You can curse depression. Yeah, you can curse. You can curse with an anointing on it. You don't pray for depression. You curse it. Father, just be with her. She battles the... The devil's sitting there going, oh, good, I have one of those Christians. I can stay here for a while. No, you, you don't speak to God about the problem. Lord, help her as she goes through this radiation. What kind of prayer is that? Say, where is the tumor at? Where is the problem? In the name of Jesus. Did you not hear, you little cells, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago? He destroyed your ability to inhabit this woman's body. So I assure you in the name of Jesus, come out. Don't ever come back. And then you know what happens when you do that? A law comes into place. It's a law. It, prayer is not rolling dice and hoping they come up lucky sevens. God's not spinning lottery balls up in heaven and picking five people to heal every day. No. There's a law that, say this out loud, the way up is the way down. Because Christ humbled himself and died a criminal's death on the cross, God has exalted him to new heights in heaven and has given him a name that is above, not equal to, above every name. That at the mention of the name of everything on the earth, everything in hell and everything above the earth, not should bow, has to bow, must bow at the mention of that name. That's why, listen now, that's why this world hates the name of Jesus. They don't care if you talk about God. God means a million things to a million people. I believe there's a higher power. You know, I believe there's something. You know, the devil's fine with that. But when you, you can talk about God on CNN, you can talk about God on The View. But if you say Jesus, you want me to put the video up of when Ben Watson, the NFL player, talked about Jesus on CNN and they went to the, the colored um, screen, technical difficulties, and the lady who didn't even have anything in her ear went, I'm sorry, we're having technical difficulties. Oh yeah, you're having spiritual difficulties. Because that name carries so much power, CNN won't even put it on the air. The, the women on The View get up and storm off stage because there's not power in Buddha, there's not power in Muhammad, there's not power in Shiva, but there is still a name in 2023 that at the mention of that name, every cancer, every addiction, every unclean force has to bow at the mention of that name. of Jesus the name of Jesus if you know that name shout it out Acts chapter 3 you can be seated Acts chapter 3 Peter the crippled man got healed what did Jesus say or what did Peter say why gaze at us as if we did this by our own godliness let me plainly state, Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, that faith in the name of Jesus has made this man walk. And you know how crippled he was. Faith in the name of Jesus. So it's not just saying the name. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. No, no, no. 
faith, understand. That's why I'm preaching this thing to you, so you can know the, the force that's in that name. Let me ask you a question. If my name was Bernie, and I walked into a bar tonight and beat the living snot out of every person in that bar, I'm talking like beat them, beat shattered jaws and stuff, and everybody knew I was connected to the Matamoros drug cartel, and if somebody did anything, I'm coming back. If someone says the name Bernie in that bar again, what are people going to do? Do you hear? I don't have to come back. If they hear the name, they pee themselves. Jesus laid such a solid butt kicking on the devil. And he said, you don't have to come back to the earth. When you speak, use my name. And when you do, every demon spirit knows and remembers and gets PTSD on the butt kicking I laid on them 2,000 years ago. Come on, I don't hear anybody in here. You have a name. You have a weapon. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. El nombre de Jesús. Say Jesus. Jesus. In, in, in Spanish, Jesus. In Italian, Jesus. It's basically the same word in every language. Jesus. 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 We used to sing a song growing up. Do you, do you know, uh, Miss Clarita, do you know Jesus, Jesus? There's just something about that name. Master, Savior. Let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name i was not here for the song service so this is not a rebuke i love everything about this church 10 out of 10 so this is not to this church but in christianity i'm saying this because we got another thousand people watching online and another ten thousand more will watch after it's over we're in danger it's not the melody of our songs that unsettles the devil it's the name and the song the songs used to be laced with the name of Jesus. Now it's about in the mountains, in the valleys, your beauty. No, no, no. Put that name. Don't lose that name out of the songs. Don't lose the name of Jesus. For the name of Jesus carries power. Every hand lifted. Let's sing it together one time. Go ahead. Sister Clarita, let it rip. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus.
Isaiah 53, 2, stay on your feet. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Um, do me a favor, Chloe or the media team. Get that SM Lockridge video that we play at our church from sometimes about Jesus. I like Jesus a lot. forward to seeing him one day when I'm done doing my work. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. When you read that R, you should put your name in there. So you're all welcome to have it as well. But when I read it, if nobody else wants it, it's for me. It was Jonathan Shuttlesworth's weakness that he carried. Every weakness Satan intended to put in my body or my mind, Jesus carried it for me. If we go to Albertson's Market and I cut you in line and pay for your groceries after you're done checking out, you don't have to pay it again. I paid it. Jesus took the things, anything the devil wants to put on me. Satan already, Jesus already took it on, on, on my behalf. Can you say amen? amen? It was my weakness he carried. It was my sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for my rebellion. He was crushed for my sin. Jonathan, if you knew how much sin I've done, Jesus already, you didn't do any sin that wasn't covered by what Jesus already did. So there's nothing God needs to do. There's something you need to do, which is realize the price has been paid and then receive it. Having the winning lottery ticket doesn't do you any good if you don't take the steps to cash it in. It's all done. Everything's done. There's nothing more to do except for you to receive it. I lived a wicked life. Yeah, I'm sure God that's been around since there was no time is real impressed with your life. Well, I've never seen a sinner like that. He's seen everybody. He's not impressed by your sin. You need to get impressed with the power of his blood. He was pierced for my rebellion. He was crushed for my sin. He was beaten so that I could be whole. When they were laying into his face over and over again, saying, prophet, who hit you that time? He was beaten so that everything in my life can be whole. My marriage is whole. My relationship with my daughter is whole. My ministry is whole. Everything that pertains to me is whole, not broken. Everything in your life that's been broken, when you enter into Christ tonight, whether it's for the first time or a new and a fresh, God's going to pick up what's been scattered and you leave here with your life whole in Jesus' mighty name. Wholeness, not brokenness, wholeness. 
by his stripes, we were healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow on. There's a video on Twitter. I don't have it saved to put on the screen for you. A shepherd in the Middle East, a sheep gets stuck in a ravine. He pulls the sheep out of the ravine at like great effort, pulls them, takes them back to the rest of the flock. And the sheep, as soon as he lets them out of his arms, makes a beeline and jumps right back in the pit. That's why God calls people sheep. That's what a lot of people have done. Come up for prayer and then run right back in the... All of us like sheep have gone astray. But Jesus, the great shepherd, leaves the 99 to go after the one. Can you say amen? We left God's paths to follow our own. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Laid on him. He took it on his... You know how long crucifixion was supposed to take? Four days to die. Jesus died in a handful of hours, so much so that they thought he was faking. But when he was on the cross, the Bible says, cursed is everything that is hung on a tree. He took any cancer Satan ever wants to lay on me, Jesus took it on that cross. Uh, my Albertson's bill has been paid, I'm not paying. Any blindness Satan wants to lay on me now or as I get older, Jesus took it in his eyes. Any loss of hearing, Jesus took it. All sickness, all disease, kidney failure, he took it. That's why I died so quick, so that my kidneys could be whole. Everything Satan wants to put on me, every addiction, every tormenting thought, Jesus had to take it on the cross. And because he took it, I don't have to take it. Why do you think we give these impassioned, sweaty calls to get saved? Because if you won't come under him and you say, no thanks, well now it's open season because there is no redemption for you. Not by God's choice, by your choice. That's why Jesus, after he rose from the dead, told his disciples, get to work. Tell people what I did and call them to be saved. The first sermon Peter preached. His sermon pricked their hearts. And they said, brothers, what should we do? Peter said, each of you must turn your back on sin and receive Christ for the forgiveness of sin. This promise is to you, to your children, and your children's children, yea, to those that are far off. So it's not up to God, it's up to you. Jesus, it already was up to God. He did everything in his power for you to be saved. Satan has done everything in his power for you to be lost. And tonight you make the deciding ballot. You go into hell and have hell before you get to hell? Does the devil wait till you die to make your life hell? Do you think God waits till you die to make your life heaven? Deuteronomy chapter 11. Return unto me and it will be as it were days of heaven on earth. Amen. Amen. Imagine if from tonight, as hard as it was to live, is that easy. As hard as it was, as easy as it was to get cursed, that's how easy it is to get blessed. Though surely goodness and mercy will follow you. How many days of your life? Yeah, not three days until you get to heaven. All the days of your life. I tell you in advance, congratulations on the greatest year that you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. 
That gangster's dad got healed and the son got saved because faith turns God on. Unbelief turns the valve off. Faith turns the valve on. You believe I'm able to make you see? Yeah, Lord. Okay, as your faith is, so be on you. It's not difficult. You believe? You believe I'm able? You believe I'm the son of God? Jesus, son of David. What did that mean? That blind man could see more than the people that had, that had eyes. So he think he might be a prophet, you know, he's controversial. And the blind man said, Jesus, son of David. When he called him son of David, what was he calling him? The Bible said the Messiah would come from the lineage of, of David. Jesus, I don't think you're a prophet. I don't think you're a rabbi. I call you the one that David said would come and make his enemies a footstool. And they yelled at him, quiet down. But he yelled all the louder. People are going to tell you to quiet down. Some of you are going to go home tonight as high as a kite on a spiritual high. And there's people in your own house waiting to tell you, hey, you calm down. But I, I pray you do what that blind man did and cry all the louder. Oh, no. I got a taste of this. I'm never backing down in Jesus' name. And he shouted all the louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, tell him to come here. And you know what he did? The Bible says when he, he stood up and threw away his coat. You know what his coat was? The government gave you a coat that showed that you were an authorized beggar. That they checked you out, you were actually blind. And when he said, come here, good. It took a long time to get that coat. You had to go through permits and stuff. Tell him to come here. Won't be needed here anymore. In four minutes, you're going to know why I'm as wound up as I am. This will give you a little taste. I want you to stay on your feet and watch this video, and then I'm going to pray for everybody in the, in the place that wants prayer. And tonight, you're going home with victory over the devil, and you're never coming under his lordship again. In Jesus' name, stay on your feet, roll it. A king was born king. The Bible says he's a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David says the heavens declare the glory of God, and the fundament showeth his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there no means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his soulless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's 
savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. Well, he, he's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously.
I get a little worked up. I already knew all that. And he did all that. You know, when, when they were showing that scene where he's standing and there's that big multitude and they kept saying how multitudes in the Bible came. You know, at one point it says, he wouldn't become king and the crowd came to take him by force and make him their king. That's why he had to leave. Because if he'd have become king then and fulfilled the second part of the Messiahship, every Mexican would have gone to hell. Every Englishman would have gone to hell. Every black person would have gone to hell. Only the Jews would have received, and the Jews can still receive. But this gospel was to be preached to the whole world so that every Mexican can be saved. Every Puerto Rican can be saved. Every black person can be saved. Every Asian can be saved. Every white person can be saved. He is the lamb that was slain for every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and every race. I'm glad, I'm glad he, I'm glad he waited so that that gospel could come to the Shuttlesworth family. Bunch of lousy, good-for-nothing coal miners. Had nothing but problem. Nobody would go to church ever for any reason. My grandpa got hit, became a preacher, had four sons, changed the whole family. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. My grandfather, that evangelist that night, thought he had a great failure. One kid got saved. But that kid went to Bible college a couple months later and went into the ministry for 62 years and had four sons that preach and now the grandsons preach. It only takes one person in a family to say yes to Jesus and it'll rewrite your last name. So, I'll ask you the question S.M. Lockridge asked at the beginning. Do you know him? Not do you know about him. Does he know you? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If you've never done that, you remember the second part of what he said? Don't mislead me. If you're drinking and getting drunk, you, you cannot be in his camp. No, no drunkard, no one with uncontrolled anger, no murder, nor those that practice witchcraft or fornication. None of these can have a share in that holy kingdom. You have to turn your back on sin. You know, even when they showed that video where they're going to kill that woman caught in adultery and Jesus picked her up. He, he said, neither do I condemn you. What's the second part? Go and sin no more. Once you come in contact with Jesus, you have to make up your mind. I'm done with the devil's tricks. So I don't know if I can live like that. Good news, you can't. 
but as many as received him, John 1, 12, to them he gave the power to become the sons and daughters of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's people that need to make that decision tonight. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. I'm not born again. I don't know Christ. Or I once did. But if I'm honest tonight, I've drifted away from the Lord. I've allowed things to set up shop in my life that the Bible calls sin. But tonight, I make a decision. I'm not going to allow sin to get rid of me. I'm going to get rid of sin. I'm not going to allow sin to put me to death. I'm going to put sin to death in my life. The Bible says that you may mortify, kill the deeds of the flesh. Not try to live better. Tell the devil, I'm done with you. I'm not in covenant with you anymore. I come into covenant with Christ. If you're here and you need to do that, maybe like my grandfather, the first one in your family to settle down and come into the things of God and watch the massive chain reaction that happens after. But somebody has to be the first to say enough is enough. I'm not break every cycle of sickness and depression and all that. If you say, Jonathan, that's me, and I make that decision tonight, quickly and boldly put your hand up and wave it at me right now. I see your hand. Who else? I see, all right. People are already coming. Every hand that was lifted begin to come right now. Come right now. We're going to pray. Time to pray. Time to pray. Every hand that was lifted, if God's wrestling with your heart, come. Go ahead. I surrender all. This is your night. Come on. The Lord's dealing with more people's hearts. Come. Go home as light as a feather. Lay your head on your pillow tonight and know that you have peace with God, that your sins are all forgiven. She's going to sing it through one more time. If Jesus is dealing with your heart, if you feel him knocking at the door of your heart, let him in. says we're seated with Christ where so in our spirit where are we seated right now and the Bible says when one sinner comes home there's more joy in heaven than 99 that remain righteous that's why you feel it you feel the party on the inside of you think of it that's a Bible fact they, whatever they were doing in heaven right now they just shut it down to have a party that you, that you came home my son that was dead has now come home Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man. 
Praise God. All right, lift both your hands to the Lord. If you can only lift one hand, it's fine. Say this prayer out loud with me. You're talking to a living God. This is not a recital. There's a God who hears this prayer. He's going to take out your old heart that loved sin and loved things that the devil is using to kill you. And he's going to give you a new heart that loves God and loves righteousness and loves the word of God. A new heart I give thee. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I turn my back on sin. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you. Keep your hands lifted. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless everything that pertains to you in the name of Jesus. I bless your children and your future children in the name of Jesus. I curse everything the devil used to mess your life up. Drugs, alcohol, depression, thoughts of suicide. Everything the Bible lists as a curse. I command it to go and never come back in Jesus' mighty name. Every sickness and disease that has set up in shop in your body is now illegal because Jesus, as your Savior, did not just take your sin. He took all your sickness and all your disease. It's illegal for you to be sick. It's against the covenant signed by the blood of Jesus. I command you to be healed. I command you to be free. These two ladies right here, both of you lift your hands up even higher. As you do, the power of God comes on even stronger. Another thing too, put this hand on your lower belly. The Lord heals your insides. Anything that was causing pain is now gone. And the Lord sets you free in Jesus' name. New blood in Jesus' mighty name. Go right through you. In Jesus' name. Be free. Be healed in your body. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, let me see your right hand. Lift your other hand to the Lord. Be healed. Don't be logos de Dios. No nombre de In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. You have a name that's written in heaven. When you lay your head on your pillow tonight, there's not one sin separating you from God. And I want you to keep it that way. This church is the church to plug into. There's no churches in this city that are any good because they've never invited me in 21 years. And if they, if they prayed, God would have told them to have me in because I'm like his favorite preacher in the whole world. So please plug into this church with Pastor Dean and um, Pastor Kathy. And I mean, you can see this is a, the, the Monday night crowd. And they have this one. I'm not here. It's not like I, I brought them. So this is a great church that God's hand was already on. And then this church has caught like a second wind in the last year and a half and is is booming. New property, an explosion in the spirit. So the Bible says the righteous are like trees planted in the courts of our God. Be in church. Why do people not come to church? Not because they love the devil or they hate God. I have to work. Tell your boss you're a Christian. And they have to give you Sunday mornings off. If they don't give you Sunday mornings off, contact our office, my, my office. We'll hook you up with an attorney. And by the time we're done, the company will be named after you. Because you ha- in America, you have to give somebody a day of religious observance. You can't make a Jew work on Saturday. You can't make a Muslim work on Friday. And you can't make a Christian work Sunday morning. You're not allowed. And even if those laws weren't in place, put God first. Let me tell you something, and there's a reason I can say it with this kind of force and anointing, because I've done it every time I've ever been put to the test. Anytime the devil threatens you with a consequence that if you put God in church first, then this will happen, make him pull the trigger and watch what happens. He does not. He's a, he's a cap, he's captain bluffer. But then when it actually comes time to make good on it, he can't do anything. You're God's child. You think the devil, you're God's child. Where's my, my, my daughter's out in the kids' ministry. I'd use her for an example. If someone slaps her in the face, my whole being becomes consumed from that moment forward on watching the life leave that person's body. And I'm an I'm a earthly father. God's a heavenly father. If you touch his child, watch in the Bible how that worked out for people. Your life is not in other people's hands. Your life is now in God's hands. So don't let the enemy manipulate you back out of his hands. Stay right planted in his hand. And God will give you the grace to do that. Lift your other hand to the Lord. This multifaceted attack against your life before tonight was like no matter what you did, it was difficult. It's going to be that easy from here out. The Lord is going to help you. All of the insurmountable obstacles you're facing right now, the Lord will help you surmount them. In Jesus' name. The same way God's helped me in life. He doesn't, he loves us all the same. We're all his children. He's going to help you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, I'm going to have the, my friend who's the pastor of this church, Pastor Dean's going to say a few words to you. And then, I'm going to pray for everybody that's here tonight. The same God that forgives sins heals sickness and disease. What kind of sickness and disease? All manner. A-L-L. All. I don't know how, why that's difficult for some denominations. Does God still heal today? All manner of sickness and disease, and he healed them all. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Never changes. 
God never changes. He was a healer from chapter one. He'll never stop. It's not a question of what God will do. It's a question of what you believe. God will take any tumor out of your body, 38 year affliction, addiction, anything. There's nothing that's bigger than the name of Jesus. So when Pastor Dean's speaking, don't snap out of what we're in right now. Stay right in the anointing and we're going to transition it right into prayer. Please welcome a great gift from heaven to planet earth. Pastor Dean Shropshire. Hallelujah. So what you need to see and what you need to know right now is you have never seen the new you. You might sense that you have become new, but you are brand new. The Word of God tells us if any man or woman be in Christ Jesus or any man or woman would do what you just did, received him, you become a new creation, brand new. The, the you we're looking at is not you. The new you is what evangelist Jonathan is talking about. That's clean, that's perfect, that's connected with God, that's ready to do everything that needs to be done in order to enjoy this new life, delivered and free in every area. He or she is in the inside of each of you now. And you have the authority to tell her or to tell him exactly what you're going to do. I'm going to encourage you to get connected, just like uh, Evangelist Jonathan said, Pastor Jonathan said. Get connected. This is a great church. I approve this church as a church where you can hear the truth, you can grow in the truth, and you can begin to walk in the truth. You will be a living letter. You will be a living letter. I said you will be a living letter of God's goodness. He is not finished with any of you, and you will know a life that you just dreamed about if you'll continue now to move forward in His plan. Remember, you're clean. You're clean. You've never been as clean as you are right now. You were born into sin, but now you've been delivered. You've been cleansed. Your name is written in the Lamb's book, and your future is as bright as you will allow it to be. Get connected with us. We'd be honored to have you, to help you, and we will keep you busy finding out what you're really all about. Amen. If you'll follow this young lady right over here for just a few moments, please. Hallelujah. Just turn this way. Just turn this way. Mario, give this young man a help. Give him a hand, would you please? Give him a hand. Hallelujah. As you're walking to the, as you're walking to the back, your back's going to get looser and your legs going to get stronger. Be seated briefly. Before we line everybody up, I want to give people a chance to sow seed. No one's under any obligation to give. Before you uh, start filling out whatever you're going to give, we're going to do this quickly because I want to start praying. I want to tell you something pretty powerful that happened to me uh, last week. I was in Tampa, Florida at a meeting, and I was sitting in the back, 
and a pastor walked by and when I saw him, I felt in my spirit to talk to him. So I, I called his name and somebody that heard me call his name tapped him and sent him back to sit by me. I said, I saw you got a new building for your church. How much is the lease on that building? He said, uh, 3,000 a month. I said, I'm gonna pay the lease on your building for a year. And he immediately began to cry. And he's not a crier, he's a big guy. He said, can I tell you two things? I said, sure. He said, my dad was just diagnosed with stage four cancer and we took money and sent my dad here to Tampa to go to healing school to, get, to hear the word of God and get prayed for it to extend his life. So that was an unexpected expense. And he said, then we've just hired two new staff. And he said, we didn't have enough money to make payroll for this upcoming, the first of the month. So I just took a bunch of money we had from the church and sowed it because I said, we didn't have enough anyway. So Lord, I'm going to give this to you and trust you to take care of me. And he said, that money that you're going to send uh, at the end of the week, which we sent, he said, that's more than enough now to pay everybody and pay our, our church off for the month. He said, you don't know what this has done for me. Say this with me. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, as much as that helped him, according to the Bible, my testimony will be better. In fact, we announced we're serving that church in Fort Worth. People said, where are you going to meet? We don't, I don't know. I don't even know any places in Fort Worth. It's not important to me. It's not my job anymore. If I was working for Verizon and they said, we want a new Verizon store in Hobbs. That's management's decision where they're going to open it. I just have to go there. And that's how it happens. Jesus is in charge. But I sowed that to him. I sowed a building seed knowing I'm going to need a building. So rather than go to a bank, what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. And we, we started it. We've never, we haven't even moved on anything. Friday, we, I announced it Friday night at 10 o'clock. It's Monday. There hasn't even been a, there's been one office day and we don't have any staff in, in, in Fort Worth. And somebody that's an executive told us that they want to come to our church and they had their husband who's in real estate look all day and he sent us options in, in Fort Worth that are doable options of places that begin the church. See, when you give, giving is not to help God. Giving is not to help the church. Giving is to help you. I don't have to tell you in New Mexico that the government is not set up to help you get ahead in life. They're set up to keep you from getting ahead. Especially if you work in oil and gas, you should be saying amen. You have to, you have to outthink them. They're not trying to help you. They're trying to shut you down. You have to th find ways to, to maneuver around one regulation after another to keep people from prospering. And God knew that. God knew that there's a wickedness in the earth to keep, to make finances hard on people. And so you know what he did? He made a system that if you honor me in the tithe and the offering, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that's so great, you won't have room enough to take it all in. Everybody say seed time and harvest. I think I did it publicly when I was here. When you sow apple seeds, what comes back? You remember when I felt to honor Pastor Dean and I, I gave him a Rolex as a gift? Well, if you see my new gold one, I was in a parking lot and someone walked across the parking lot and said, I gave my life to the Lord in one of your meetings five years ago. And since that time, my business has exploded. And uh, this was the most expensive thing I bought for myself. And the Lord told me to use it to honor you for giving me the word of God. Yeah, that... This is the nicest one they make. And I was debating on whether to tell this testimony or not because I don't want two guys to come up to me in the parking lot with a machete and take my arm and watch. 
That's how they steal watches in Jamaica. Grab the arm and then just take the watch and the arm. It's much quicker. But I'm telling you what happened because people think this stuff's a joke. You've seen me so when I've been here and it comes back. And I did not do that to Pastor Dean so I could get it. I already had a watch that I liked. I've told you the story of the old Rolex I had that a UFC fighter found me on YouTube while he was training and then won his fight and then sent me the Rolex that he bought with the prize money. So that watch was special to me. You know, since I'm in this deep and you guys like me anyway, when I went to Adonis's mom's house to eat after church on Sunday and all the sisters are there and the nephews, everybody's blessed. You know what I did with the old Rolex? Gave it to my nephew. So he's sitting there 20 some years old with a executive Rolex on that was a UFC fighters that he liked that UFC fighter. And my, I watched her mom just looking around at everybody with a big smile on their face because everybody, I'm not saying they were cursed before we got married, but it's me too. I was driving a Toyota Camry that had the back end smashed in and I couldn't get it registered. Now we're driving to go, go to the, uh, get on a Gulfstream 4 to fly to Hobbs and then passing out Rolexes like they're Skittles. That stuff drug dealers do. Hey, want a Rolex here? Except this one didn't have dried blood on it that you had to wipe off. Amen. The devil can't bless you more than God can bless you. And so when you get interested in his kingdom and its advancement, he won't allow you to come behind. If you put his things first, he'll make your things first. Well, if he does it, then I'll give. That's not how it works. Give and you shall receive. If my ground starts growing corn, then I'll start planting corn. It doesn't work like that. Everybody say, give, give. and you shall receive. receive. So with everything that's going on in our ministry, you never hear me mention it. We need this money. First of all, we don't need any money. God's our supplier. I've always tried to get it in people's heads that you should have faith. What are you believing God to do for you and your family? I'm believing for this. You know, we've had two buildings, uh, or 24 acres of land in a $5.7 million building given to us. Do you know how many churches? Do you think that was the first pastor I told him I'm going to pay his lease for a year? I look for people to give to because what I make happen. Now, I, I, in the natural, can't build a $20 million building cash. But I can pay $3,000 a month. So I, I do the sewing that I can do. And then God makes the impossible thing happen. And then I, that, that's all I worry about is our giving. Not what's going to come in because the, give, the coming in is guaranteed. In fact, I had Patrick that runs the money from our office. He found this correlation because he works with numbers. Our budget, our income every year has been almost exactly 10 times whatever we gave the year before. So we gave half a million dollars and the next year we went from 3 million to 5 million. That year we gave 750,000. We had $7.5 million come in the next year. That year we gave 1.5 million. We had 15.2 million come in the next year. That year we gave uh, 2.7 million. And this year we're on pace to have about 30 million come in. Give and you will receive. No manipulation, no please give, no please help. I think we gave $2.7 million uh, last year. We hit 3.5 million before July 1st that we've given away. So I'm actually on pace to give about 7 million away. One more thing. Did anybody see when we gave that million dollar check to Pastor Rodney? My wife and I were talking in the hotel. I'm telling you, since that day, it's been different. I even feel like this Fort Worth thing is like 
it's like the wind of heaven. Because if you read it in the Bible, giving just doesn't bring back a multiplication of the money you give, though it does. The, man gave, the boy gave his five loaves and two fish. Everybody ate until full. Twelve baskets of bread and fish came back. But there's also other things that happen when you give. God sends helpers. I'm starting to lose track of the amount of real estate attorneys and real estate people that I've never met before that are contacting us. We want to help you find a place in Pittsburgh. We want to find, help you find a place in Fort Worth. We had attorneys do work for free to keep us in the... Where did they come from? Why did they feel to help us for free? Why do all these people come out of nowhere that are qualified major people? I think we've had five billionaires come in, into our ministry uh, so far in the last uh, 14 months or so. Five or six. We want to help you. Some saved, some Christians, some not Christians. We like what you're doing. You know, even that's a principle. Remember what I had you say? Say the way up is the way down. The Lord told me, if you go after people nobody wants, I'll give you people everybody wants. That's why every Saturday we do an outreach in the Section 8 housing projects, going after people no one has any interest in, and then God just keeps sending people through the doors. Why is he coming here? Who knows him? No one knows. We just said he wanted to come. He said he wanted to help. Way up's the way down. He has money. You should meet him. No, thank you. I'll go meet people with no money. And then God sends you the people with the money. You don't, you don't try to make things happen. You do it God's way. Amen? So this offering is an opportunity online in here. I want you to think, what do you believe in God to do for you? I, did, I, gave, I didn't know that guy didn't have the money to pay his church. I like him. I knew he took a church in a certain city, started with nothing with his wife, built it, and then they just acquired a property. I like that. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to sow, I'm, I'm going to help him. And you can't help anybody without God getting involved with you. So just ask the Lord what he'd have you to give. And so that, there's an offering envelope in, on, on your seat. If you're watching online, thank you for your giving all over the world. It's a major blessing. Revivaltoday.com. You click give now. There's all the ways to give. Cash app, dollar sign, RT give. Venmo, at RT give. Revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. You can give cryptocurrency. If you want to mail it, Revival Today, uh, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Thank you for your giving. I'll give you one minute to do that, only because I've sat in meetings before, especially if you're in the front row. They, they take the offering so quick, you don't even have time to fill it out, and it's already by you. So this is important. Praise God. What a mighty God we serve. As you're filling that out online in here, how many of you can feel the presence of God in here? You know, his presence isn't in a place just to be there. It alleviates burdens. It washes away sickness and disease. It breaks chains of addictions. We have big guys in our church. If you ever watch our church revival today, for whatever reason, God sent us a bunch of strong men. And they just quit chewing tobacco and quit drinking and quit smoking. They didn't, no prayer for it. It just stopped. The desire stopped. Because they're in the presence of God. God's going to do that for you and your family tonight. Amen? Every sickness or disease that made its way into this auditorium made a fatal mistake. It's not leaving the auditorium with you.
You're leaving strong from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Clean bloodstream, organs that work on down the line. In Jesus' name. 10 a.m. We meet back tomorrow. It's 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Please endeavor to make this the most spiritual week of your life. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's it. And another, another one's in the books. So do everything you can to be here. If you work during the morning and you can't make 10 a.m., tell your boss you're taking all your smoking breaks at once. <laughs> that you'll be back at 1 o'clock. Amen. When I was 19, I did that to my boss. I worked at a call center. And everybody smoked. It was in Rhode Island. They'd just get up from their desk all the time and go outside and smoke. So after about six months of that, I just got up one day. I worked from uh, 2 p.m. till 9 p.m. And I got up at about 5.30 and I told my boss, I said, I'm going home. He said, well, why? He said, I'm taking all my smoking breaks for the year right now. And he laughed and went, see you tomorrow. So try and see if it works. Amen. Ushers, you can come forward with the festive offering buckets. Even the offering buckets at this church are cool. Church I grew up in had old Kentucky fried chicken buckets. This church has a spirit of excellence. Amen. Hold your seat up before the Lord. Father, I thank you for a 100-fold return for every giver tonight. I pray the things they're believing for that in the natural are out of their reach, that this seed would trigger it into their hand. In Jesus' name, we thank you in advance by faith. All God's people said amen. amen. Go ahead and quickly receive the offering. While they're receiving the offering, put the, uh, the arm tumor video up that took place at this church. Miss Chloe. Back in 2017, we had found out he had a tumor in his arm that was, I guess you could say it was just growing. In 2019, he ended up having surgery to get it removed. Six months later, we go back to the doctor and it's back. This tumor right here is tumor number two. Um, in November of 2020, we went in and we got surgery to get it removed. May of 2021, we went back and his tumor was back, which is this one, tumor number three right here. In August, when Jonathan came for the summer revival, he was, he prayed over my son for healing. And we go back to, we went back to the doctor in September of 2021. And the doctor, told us himself that he was expecting to come in and tell us that he was going to need surgery number three for tumor number three that had came back and was actually very, very surprised whenever he went in and he saw that the tumor was gone, completely gone. There's nothing there. The tumor looks like it's healed. The bone looks completely healed like nothing was even there. There was no surgery that ever happened or anything on that bone. And we just wanted to say thank you because through him, God did his miracle on my son that we literally thought that we were going to have to be going through for the rest of his life tumor after tumor and we were just so thankful that it never became cancerous back in 2017 we my, da my daughter's 10 that's good my daughter's 10 so you know I, I imagine what that would be like and there's people here they like, they, they like that you know we'll treat you you're gonna have to keep coming back that will be something that comes back 
that's something you'll deal with your whole life. So my friend that had the thick blood, him with the tumor, there's things that hang over people's heads their whole life. You never can have any peace because you're expecting it to come back. That's why I open with that scripture. The man had been crippled for 38 years. This is how the Bible calls it. Say this with me. Plagues of long continuance. That means long standing things. So whatever has been hanging over your head, depression, recurring tumors, fibroid tumors, something they've diagnosed you with that you'll always have that and it'll get worse. No, not tonight. They didn't count for you coming here tonight. And you're going to do the same thing that woman did. You're going to come back and say, we don't know how that happened. You know, we've had people go places and the doctor tell them, maybe you never even had that because they can't, they can't rectify. And I'll tell you, if they tell you maybe you didn't have it, you should sue them for misdiagnosis and make them prove that there was a miracle. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Say, God is a miracle working God. See Jesus right now on the cross suffering with the thing in his body that you've been suffering with. And tonight we remind the devil that 2,000 years ago, Jesus took care of your case. I see the Lord touching people even right now. Just lift your hands in your seat. I see so many people that, boy, that really hit with people. People had their eyes closed and receiving. It's unscriptural for you to carry that stuff in your body or in your mind. Jesus took it. You don't have to take it. Jesus took it. You don't have to take it. It's not, it's unscriptural for you to be sick. It's not right. It's against the covenant. It's a violation of the efficacy of the blood of Jesus. It's not allowed. It's illegal. Jesus name, even before I get the chance to lay hands on you, I command anything that had set up shop in your body that would be called sickness or disease, malady, oppression. It leaves you now in this atmosphere. In Jesus name. You can put your hands down and look up at me. Before we line you up, there was a preacher from, Van, I think it was from Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm trying to think of his name. He was a lawyer a high-end lawyer, and then he gave his life to the Lord and became a Christian and got called into the ministry. He had a great healing ministry because from his lawyer background, he read the Bible like it was a legal document. So once he saw, this is in the 1920s, once he saw that sickness was part of the devil's affliction of man and Jesus had legally removed it with his blood and signed a covenant, he would preach like, it wasn't like he was shouting and screaming, it was just like, in a British accent. It's illegal for you to be sick. So he would basically evict the sickness legally from people's body because he understood from the Bible, I don't have to get all worked up in sweat or anything. This is done. So like a lawyer, just like as a lawyer, I'd order someone out of a house that doesn't belong to him. I'm ordering the sickness out of your body because your body belongs to Christ. He purchased your body and the sickness is not allowed to be there. Amen. Yeah, the more you demystify the Bible and read it like a legal document, the better it is. What was his name out of? That's going to bother me. He was from Vancouver. Sorry, it's not important, but I can't focus until I get this cleared up. 
You ever have something bother you? Let me think of his name. Somebody's going to answer me on YouTube in the comments. Timothy Dearman, where are you? Does hot salsa affect memory? <laughs> I won't blame you. You look nice in bright colors with your caramel skin. I like that. No one in the comments? Nope. Give me something else about him. He's just a preacher Put great healing healing preacher, 1920. Nope, it's not William Branham. He was Kentucky. See, I never remember people's names. I remember where they're from. I know Pastor Dean's from West Virginia. I can't remember his last name. I'm just kidding. It's a Shropshire. Brother Rick, stand up so people, say it again. Charles S. Price. Thank you. There's nothing else to say. I just needed to know. Brother Rick, stand up so people can see you. This is my friend, Brother Rick, who drives down to these meetings from South Dakota to, because he loves you and this church so much. They're like the real Yellowstone people. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.